Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, in the New International Version, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Then again, in John chapter 12 and verse 26, it says this, if anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Praise the Lord. So God has called us, and he has chosen us to be disciples of Christ. A disciple is a student who learns by following his teacher with the goal of becoming like his teacher. The teacher reproduces himself in the disciple so that the disciple can continue the work of the teacher and carry on his legacy. A disciple of Christ is a spiritual apprentice who is trained in the word and by the Holy Spirit. But a disciple is more than a student. He is a servant. That's what I want to emphasize. That's what God has brought to my attention. A disciple is more than a student of Christ. He is a servant of Christ. So to be Christ's disciples, we must do more than follow him. We must serve him. We must serve him. Now, we are not saved by serving. Don't misunderstand me. But we are saved to serve. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so a true disciple of Christ must have the heart of a servant. A true disciple of Christ must have the heart of a servant. Sometimes people think this is just kind of an Old Testament concept. Well, you need to read the Bible more carefully. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, we read, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. Is it interesting that Paul put being a servant before being an apostle because he was a servant long before he ever became an apostle. Not every Christian is called to be an apostle, a special messenger sent by God on a specific mission, but all are called to serve the Lord. Can you say amen to that? Then again, consider this. We could go through quite a few verses, but we don't have time. But consider this, James chapter 1 and verse 1. James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's an interesting fact. James was the half-brother of Jesus, yet he does not refer to himself that way. In fact, he doesn't even call himself an apostle in the book of James, yet he was one. And he was also the head of the church in Jerusalem. The only title he claimed, and we only have one book by James, is this, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about this. Moses was unlike any other prophet in the Old Testament. In all of Israel, there was no one like Moses. And yet throughout scripture, he is known by this moniker, the servant of the Lord. Over and over again, Moses, the servant of the Lord. What does that mean? Being a servant of God is not a demotion. It's a promotion. 
You're in the category of people like Paul. You're in the category of people like Moses when you're a servant of Christ. Amen. Think about this. We're saved by confessing Jesus as Lord. When you confess Jesus as your Lord, by implication, you also confessed and you are his servant. Because Lord means master. So if he's Lord, then you're not. If he's Lord, no one else is. So if he's Lord, then you are saying, I'm your servant. Are you listening to me? Now, some folks would, prof- would can, uh, protest angrily, I'm not anybody's servant. I'm not, don't, 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 no, I'm not anybody's servant. I'm just serving myself. Listen to me. Everybody is going to serve somebody. I said, everybody is going to serve somebody. If you don't serve the Lord, I promise you, you are going to serve the devil. Everybody is going to serve somebody, even if you think you're only serving yourself. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says this, very powerful statement. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I were still trying to please all the people in my tribe, I could not be a servant of Christ. If I was still trying to please everybody in my village, I could not be a servant of Christ. If I was trying to make everybody in my family happy, I could not be a servant of Christ. You see, if we are servants of Christ, then he is more than savior. He is more than healer. He is more than provider or helper. He is master. And no man can have two masters. See? So as a servant, my desire then is to please Christ. Having a job in the church doesn't make you a servant of Christ. Having a degree from theological cemetery does not make you a servant of Christ. Having a heart that desires to please Christ, that's what makes you a servant of Christ. So as a servant, my desire is to please him even if it displeases everyone else. Come on, somebody better wake up right now. I said, as a servant, my desire is to please him even if it displeases everyone else. And trust me, he will make sure that you experience that encounter where you have to choose on pleasing him or pleasing everybody else. Trust me, that day, if it hasn't come already, it's coming your way real soon. The test of true discipleship is when you make the unpopular and inconvenient decision to please him. This is not a democracy, it's a kingdom. And Jesus is not prime minister, he's Lord. Can I get an amen? Glory to God. How? How do I serve the Lord? By living in a way that pleases him. Real simple. By living a life that pleases him. I serve him by doing his will. You know, I notice even in the church, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but I notice in the church, like, or in the staff, I'll ask somebody to do something. You know, this is your assignment, this is your job. And and this happens typically, they won't do that, but they'll do something I didn't ask them to do, thinking that that makes it okay. And people do the same thing with the Lord. They don't do what he asked them to do, but they try to make it up by doing a bunch of things he didn't ask them to do. It doesn't work that way. If he didn't call you to something, don't intrude into that. If he didn't call you to start a Bible school, don't do that. 
Well, you know, I think everybody else is doing it. I'll do it. That's called disobedience, right? If he didn't call you into the full-time ministry, don't go there. Be what he called you to be. Do his will for your life. Even if your mother doesn't like it. Even if your mother-in-law is irritated. Your mother-in-law is not Lord. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. Can I get an amen? Jesus himself is the perfect example of servanthood. If you want to know what a servant really looks like, you don't have to look any further than the Gospels. Look at Jesus himself. In John chapter 5, verse 30, he said, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That, that, that's his heart. That, 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 that's, what, that's his pulse. That's what makes him tick. That's what he's thinking inside of himself. Not, I hope I can be famous. I hope I really show those Pharisees who's boss. That's not what he's thinking. I'm going to really take revenge on my enemies today. No, that's not what he's thinking. I seek to do the will of him who sent me. So we, as servants of Christ, could say, I don't want what I want. I don't want what I want. I want what he wants. I seek to do the will of him who saved me. That's the credo and the motto of a servant of Christ. I don't want what I want. I want what he wants. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It's real quiet there. I hope it's not as quiet at your home as it is right here in my home. Notice in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. So Jesus, why are you here? Why did you leave your home in heaven? I came to serve. I came to serve. So the person, the man or the woman, with a servant's heart is not looking for what he can get, but how he can give. The servant is not looking for what he can get, but what he can give. So that means it's all about motive, and motive certainly matters. Why are you here today? Why do you come to church? Well, most people say, to be blessed. That's not bad, but that's not a servant. The servant says, because there are others who need my presence in this place, and I've come to be a blessing to them. Come on, it's real quiet in this Holy Ghost Church. Is anybody out there today? Praise the Lord. Is that not true? I said, is that not true? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So a servant lives to give. Don't worry. I'm not going to take up the offering right now. I'm just talking about in every aspect of your life. He lives to give. And so therefore, a servant is more blessed than others. A servant will always be more blessed than merely a convert. Because Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And a servant has a heart that wants to give. That's the only place in the Bible that I can find, or the only place in the New Testament that I can find, the phrase, more blessed. See, I'm saved. Ooh, I'm so blessed. Would you like to be more blessed? Would you like to be more blessed? Then be a servant. The happiest people I know in this church are those who serve. I said, the happiest people, this is your time to shine, the happiest people I know in this church are those who serve. Why? They're more blessed. You're blessed, but they're more blessed. Why? Because they're giving. They're giving. Let me go a little bit further. If you were to meet someone 
who says, I'm a member of Spirit of Faith Church, you should be able to ask them, oh, and what do you do there? Hello, my name is Brother Zama Zama. Oh, praise the Lord. And I'm a member of Spirit of Faith Church. Oh, glory. And what do you do there? Uh, well, mostly nothing. See, that's not right. Because we should all in some way be serving the Lord. Maybe, maybe you serve by being an amener. Do we have any ameners here today? I, I, I just, just one or two. I'm saying, do, do we have any ameners here today? They're all over here. What, I, I need some more amen, ushers. Next time, put more ameners in this side. Maybe that's, their, maybe that's one way they can give and serve is by being an encouragement to the speaker. It's, it's starting to happen now. Amen. Maybe, maybe you don't even have to be an official greeter, but one way you can serve is just by spreading a little good cheer before and after every service. You see someone by themselves just kind of looking down, and you are the one who walks up to them and says, Hi, how are you? Terrible. Oh, why? Oh, nothing's going right. Oh, tell me about it, friend. You know, maybe you can be someone, a good word, uh-huh, lifts up the spirits. Glory to God. Maybe, maybe that's one way you can serve. So that means, you know, you've got a higher purpose to be part and parcel of what God is doing here than just being a consumer of the ministry. You are now a contributor to the ministry. So that way you don't have to say, oh, it looks kind of hot this afternoon. Ah, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't see too many autos coming my way. I, no, no, no. I am a servant. I've got a reason to. Well, there's a bond. You're a servant whether there's a bond or not. Yes. Amen. The self serving life is the empty life. The most miserable people in the body of Christ are those who serve no one but themselves. They come to church and they are self-centered. I hope I like this song. I hope they're singing about me this afternoon. I hope this sermon is all about me. Oh, you're talking about someone else? Oh, brother, brother, I don't wanna be here. It has to be about me, me. Why doesn't the pastor look at me? Okay, why doesn't the pastor talk about me? No, don't talk about me. No, 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 that's, that's the wrong attitude. And that's the attitude of immaturity. It's okay for little babies, but for people who have known the Lord for 35 years, it's not okay. Amen. I was so discouraged. And nobody came to my house to pray with me. You big baby, you've known the Lord for 20 years. You need to go to somebody else's house and pray for them when they're discouraged. You just encourage yourself in the Lord, you big baby. I mean, I understand. I understand when you have some colossal tragedy in your life, but a lot of times it's not that. You know, I understand when it really is a death in the family. I, I, you know, your, your wife ran away with the milkman. I understand that. But I mean, when it's just a little, you know, well, I don't feel good. And, you know, and I got a booger in my nose. That, that we, you know, you need to just stir yourself up and encourage yourself and be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. Amen. Too many in the full-time ministry in the body of Christ are not servants. They're celebrities. They're more concerned about being served than serving. Huh? That's true. I said, too many in the body of Christ, they're not servants, they're celebrities. My, my home church extended an invitation to one very well-known minister. I'm not going to call that person's name. And... Uh, the reply back from this minister's office was a long, detailed list of requirements. This is what I require 
this much money. You have to give me at least this much money. This kind of a hotel. Even little things like this particular brand of mineral water. Not just, you know, whatever you guys got locally here, but it's got to be Evian. Evian, which by the way, spelled backwards is naive. But Evian, mineral water. <laughs> you know, I have to have green M&Ms. No, not red and brown, but only green M&Ms, you know, candy in, in a bowl. All these things like this. You know, who's coming to the church? Queen of England? I understand that, that we should take care of our guests, and I know what it's like to not be taken care of. I, I get that. But on the other hand, to me, this does not sound like the heart of a servant. You know, can you imagine Jesus? Zacchaeus, come down. I must have dinner at your house. But only if it's chicken barani. <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, praise the Lord. I was invited to preach in a church in America several years ago. I'd only met the pastor once at a, con well, once or twice at a conference, so I didn't know him very well. And uh, just a few days before I was scheduled to fly out, and it was across the country, I get a letter in the post from him, and he says, we're so excited about you coming to minister in our church, but before you come, we want you to give us an offering. I, I never received a letter like that before. Before you come, you're the guest speaker. Before you come, not, not after you get here, but before you come, we want you to send us an offering. I was taken aback by that. I thought like, I almost felt like canceling the trip. But... Um, for whatever reason, I went ahead and I wrote them a check and I, and I sent them a substantial offering, you know. And so I wondered, what kind of meeting is this going to be? We got there and it was not a very large church. It was really small, your church. And, uh, but they were very kind to us and, and they really, you know, they did, they were hospitable. They did take care of us and it was wonderful to be there. And they gave us a very generous offering, much more than I gave them. And I found, I, I figured it out later he was testing me. He was testing me. He'd had so many people who all they wanted was to be served that he was testing me. Are you coming to get something from us? Or are you coming to impart something to us? Amen. And I've been back many times since that time and have really been blessed. Praise the Lord. Now, serving the Lord does not necessarily mean that you quit your job and move to Africa. Some people hear a message like this and tomorrow they buy the plane ticket and they're gone the, the day after. No, 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 no. It, if that's not God's will for you, don't go. However, I believe all of us should be willing to go to Africa. I didn't get... Not a single amen on that one. I said, don't go to Africa if it's not God's will. But I believe everybody that can hear my voice right now, as a Christian, you should be willing to go. Oh, I know the Lord wouldn't ask that of me. I did, I, that's not the point. What if he did? Are you listening to me? Praise the Lord. Serving the Lord does not mean doing what God wants if it's also what you want. Come on, I feel like I'm speaking to a painting right now, a photograph. Serving the Lord does not mean doing what God wants if it's also what you want. Uh, wrong answer. Serving the Lord means doing what he wants even when it's not what you want. Friend, let me just enlighten you. Sooner or later, God, your loving heavenly father who cares about you more than anyone else, sooner or later, God is going to ask you to do something your flesh does not want to do. 
If you think that God's never going to ask me to do something I don't want to do, then you haven't been very far yet. <laughs> you're still in covenant, kids. You're not even in covenant, kids. You're in the, you're in the mother's room. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Praise the Lord. Serving the Lord means living for Jesus and not for ourselves. We read to you John 12, 25. Let's take a look at it again, but in the Amplified Bible. It says, he must, if anyone, you know, uh, wants to serve me, he must continue, he must continue to faithfully follow me without hesitation, holding steadfastly to me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering, or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Well, that certainly amplifies it. To serve Christ is to follow his example, to take the same paths that he took, to walk as he walked. So he said in this verse, if we want to serve him, we must follow him. So where do we go? We go where he goes. We go where he goes, you see. No one ever followed Jesus into the booze joint or the beer hall. No one followed Jesus into the blue movie. No one followed Jesus into a, a street brawl or a wild party because you won't find Jesus in those places so therefore, you won't find his servants either. Where I am, there my servant will be also. Well, you won't find Christ's servant in those places. It's real quiet today. In this, let's say this Presbyterian church, we've gone down one step. <laughs> Hallelujah. To serve him is to seek him. To serve the Lord means to seek the Lord. In Psalm 27, verse 8, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. What does God say to his servants? Seek my face. What do the servants say back to him? I will seek your face. Isn't that funny? Think about it. Seek, seek my face. But he said it to you. He said to my heart, seek my face. Well, why do I need to seek you? I just heard from you. Because there's more. There's more for you. There's more for you. The Hebrew word for face in this verse is also translated presence throughout the Old Testament. A servant of Christ thirsts for the manifest presence of God. A servant of Christ desires the presence of God. Some people just desire cupcakes and chicken and a few games and some songs. But servants of Christ can never be satisfied with those things. Nothing against those things. But for them, fellowship doesn't mean pork and rice. Fellowship means the presence of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And that means a servant seeks. He prays. A servant Praise. Hallelujah. Hmm. Did Jesus pray? He's the ultimate example of servanthood, isn't he? Absolutely. The word serve in the Old Testament also means to worship. The word serve also means to worship. So one who is a servant is then a worshiper. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 25, 
Exodus 23, 25, it says, you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness, I will take COVID away from among you. But this verse could be translated, you shall worship, you shall worship the Lord your God and he will bless you. See, the previous verse, verse 24, maybe you're not familiar with it, but the previous verse says, you shall not bow down to their gods, the, the false gods in Canaan's land. You shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them. Well, obviously, that's talking about idolatry. That's talking about worshiping, literally worshiping false gods. But notice again, worship and serve are linked together. You won't do that, but you will do this. You will serve, you will worship the Lord your God. We will fall down before the living God. The devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness and said, if you fall down before me, and worship me, the devil said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus answered him in Matthew 4.10, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Notice again, serving and worship are linked together. And this, he's, he's actually I read from Matthew, but he's actually quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. And this verse is a, is a very uh, common parallelism where we have one line and then the second line echoes the first line, right? So worshiping the Lord your God is the thing, same thing as serving him in this, in this statement. So if we are servants, we are worshipers. And Jesus said the Father is seeking for true worshipers. That's what it means when he says, seek my face. And the true worshipers say, your face, Lord, I will seek. So God is seeking for those who will seek him. Praise the Lord. That's why you're dissatisfied. There's like something in you that's, not right, not content, not fulfilled, something missing. You thought it was food. You ate and, no, that's not it. You thought, oh, I'll watch, it's entertainment. I'll watch a movie. No, that's not it. Well, I need to talk to a friend on the phone for an hour. No, that's not it. What it is, is God knocking on the door of your heart and saying, seek my face. Because he knows he doesn't need your worship you need to worship him. You need his presence. He knows that. And nothing else will satisfy you. Come on. Come on. So when you serve the Lord, serving the Lord has something to do with good health. I said serving the Lord has something to do with good health because he said if you worship the Lord your God, he will bless your bread and water and take sickness away from the midst of you. So when you get in his presence, he makes sure disease cannot stand in your presence. Ooh, maybe you don't need a vaccine. Maybe you need to worship God. I said, maybe you need to worship God. Praise the Lord. He said, I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. I'll take it away from your presence. Is that true or not? If it's not true, then, then let's just tear that page out of the Bible. In fact, let's just throw the Bible in the, in the dustbin. But if it is true, then you know what you need to do. Glory to God. Now, it is not popular especially in this day, it is not popular to talk about serving the Lord. How many songs do you know where the lyrics talk about serving the Lord? They all talk about God is good, God's going to bless me, God's going to help me, God's going to strengthen me, God's going to do everything for me, whatever I want, God's going to do it, he's going to do everything, God's serving me, God's serving me. But how many songs talk about me serving the Lord? 
I mean, there may be some out there, but I can't, you know, right off the top of my head, I can't think of too many. Because when you talk about servanthood, that suggests submission and obedience. And nobody wants to hear about that. But Jesus said this, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Ooh. Ooh. So that means if you're doing my will, the Father will honor you. If you're worshiping me, the Father will honor you. If you're doing what I've called you to do, the Father will honor you. If you obey me, even when, when nobody else agrees, or even when it, it doesn't feel good to your flesh, my Father will honor you. And I would rather have God honor me than to have all the accolades of men. I'd rather have the smile of heaven on me for five minutes than to have the whole world give me their medals and awards and prizes. Are you listening to me? Praise the Lord. There's a little bit more. I hope you can take it. Matthew 25, 21. Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The master in this parable, which represents the Lord, the master in this parable didn't say, well done, good and faithful comrade. Well done, good buddy and pal. He said, well done, my servant. If you don't have the heart of a servant, you will never hear those words. Those words were spoken to those who serve the Lord. Amen? We are saved by God's grace. That's important that you know that. But we will be rewarded for our works. And it's important that you don't forget that. So this parable, I only read one verse, of course, about the talents. This parable illustrates how serving the Lord and how we serve the Lord will have eternal consequences. How we serve the Lord will have eternal consequences. It matters in the life to come. Hmm? So that means serving the Lord is not something foolish. It's actually the smartest thing you could do because we all know how temporary this life is. We all know how brief this life is we all are reminded every time somebody passes away that we are not going to live here forever. So we should not put all of our eggs in one basket. We should not focus all of our attention just on here and now. We should be conscious of the fact that there is a life to come. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I'd rather, be, I'd rather be a little uncomfortable now in this life and be rewarded in the life to come. I'd rather be in a small place without much recognition and be rewarded and commended in the life to come. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How do we serve the Lord? How do we serve the Lord? In John chapter 13... We read that after they had finished supper, Jesus wrapped a towel around his waist and began to wash the disciples' feet. And then he said to them in verse 13 through 15, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. How do we serve the Lord? By serving others, especially in the body of Christ.
How do we serve the Lord? By serving others. Think about it. Whatever God has called you to do will involve serving others. Well, I'm just called to pray. Well, you're obviously going to be praying for others. I'm just called to lead worship. Well, you're obviously going to be helping others to worship. Whatever you do, it's going to be involved. Whatever God has, assignment God has given to you, it's going to involve serving others. When we bless others, especially in the family of the Lord, when we bless others, it blesses Him. When we minister to others, it ministers to Him. In Matthew 25, 40, he said, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. If you saw Jesus walking home from the service today, would you stop and offer him a ride home? If you saw Jesus wearing an old robe, would you buy him a new one? If you heard that Jesus was in the hospital, would you go and visit him? I wish you would say yes. I would feel a whole lot better if you would, you would, you would, you would let me know that we're all on the same team this afternoon. <laughs> would you? Huh? Huh? As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Come on, some people like to talk about their vision, you know, and reaching the nations, and they won't give anybody a ride home. <laughs> they won't do nothing for nobody. That's not their calling, they say. Come on. Come on. Think about it. On the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus met the living Christ. And the Lord said to him, why are you persecuting me? Paul got a revelation that day. When you do it to my body, you're doing it to me. Ooh. Ooh. Why are you persecuting me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. When he was raised from the dead, Jesus asked Peter this question, do you love me? Let me ask you the same question. Do you love the Lord? You can answer. Do you love the Lord? Do you really love the Lord? I would think you probably do because it's Wednesday afternoon. Boy, who wants to be here? Do you love the Lord? See, I think I asked you three times, just like he did. And Peter answered just like you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Jesus answered in John 21, verse 15, feed my lambs. Well, Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't see that connection. You're asking me how I feel about you, how I, how I feel, and then you feed your lambs. What's that got to do with anything? You can demonstrate your love for him by ministering to others. Come on. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. How about opening your wallet? Lord, you know I love you. 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 I think up in heaven, some of them are saying, you know, we've heard that chorus before. <laughs> Why don't you prove it by being a blessing to someone else? It's okay to sing, but, you know, words are cheap. Right? Right? Praise the Lord. One time uh, I worked with a colleague many years ago, and uh, her daughter was going through a hard time, and she said, would you mind you and me, and then we'll invite my daughter also. We're going to go like out to eat, because I want you to talk to her. She was younger. And so she was kind of mixed up in the head about a lot of things. This woman was a Christian woman. And so, you know, and I kind of shared with her and, and kind of helped her a little bit. And as we were coming home, the Lord said to me, I want to thank you for doing this. 
I want to thank you for doing this. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Praise the Lord. That means a whole lot more. That means a whole lot more. Glory to God. I got to go forward. But it is not enough to serve the Lord. It's not enough. It's not enough to serve the Lord. That's not enough. We must be that good and faithful servant. Because after all, there was one guy who was a servant, and it didn't go so well with him. He buried his talent in a napkin. Let me read to you a couple of scriptures, and we'll let you go. Luke 12, 35 and 36. Luke 12, 35 and 36 says this. Stay dressed for action. That means wear your skinny jeans. <laughs> Stay dressed. I'm ready. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Christ's servants not only wait on the Lord, they're waiting for the Lord. I said they are not only waiting on the Lord, like worshiping him in his presence and in prayer, they're waiting for the Lord's return. They know he's coming back. Praise the Lord. And then he said in verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. You better wake up right now. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we should pray that Christ comes during the daytime and not at night when we're asleep? Blessed are those who are awake when he comes? No. He means that we should stay alert and active spiritually. We could, I think we could say it this way. Blessed are those who are not half backslidden when he comes back. Blessed are those who are not out of fellowship. Blessed are those who are not offended and then got lazy and then stopped coming to church and stopped praying, stopped worshiping God and got all mixed up in a lot of bunk and junk. Blessed are those who keep their lamp burning. That's what he said earlier. Blessed are those who are still on fire for God when he comes back. Hallelujah. Blessed are those who come on a Wednesday afternoon when it's two o'clock and it's hot and you don't really feel like being here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Notice this, he says this, when he comes, if he finds us serving, he will serve us. That's what he said. Let me read it again. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them, the servants, recline at table and he will come, the master will come and serve them. When that, think about this. First of all, just in the natural. What if, you know, it seems like every time there's a married couples meeting. Every time there's a singles meeting, every time there's a youth meeting, your job is to, you know, you know uh, dip the doll and pour it on the rice. Okay, next person, you know. Maybe in Bible school, you know, your job was just to you know, dish out the rice. Next, you know. And, and that, that's like, that was like the extent of your ministry, that you're serving, which, is, which, trust me, that's a very valuable service. And then the Lord comes and he says, please, you go sit down. And he comes and says, and here's some doll, and here's some rice for you. Woo! Or maybe it means this. He said, feed my sheep. And he doesn't mean, Peter, you know, go ahead and give them, you know, a fried rice in the afternoon. He really means feed them the word of God. Maybe you're, you're faithful feeding God's sheep. And so Jesus says, okay, when I come back, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to show you things that you don't understand and you don't know as well. Ooh, hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Oh, I gotta, I gotta finish this. Let me jump down and skip a part because it's time to go. Notice verse 45 and verse 46, the last two verses on my notes here. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. How many of you wish that verse was not in the Bible? Raise your hand. <laughs> How many of you don't believe it should be in the Bible? Raise your hand. <laughs> but it's there. It's there. That's a warning. He's talking to his disciples. We are his disciples. And it's a warning like, if you somehow convince yourself that uh, there's, there's, you know, he ain't ever coming back, and, or, or, or you know, I got all the time in the world, heaven can wait. I'm gonna live for me right now. This is what people do. You know, all their life they just live for themselves, and when they get old and ready to die, suddenly they get real religious. Suddenly they wanna prophesy over the grandchildren. No, 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 why do that? Why give God your worst years when you're plus 90, why not give him your best? Why not give him when you're in the vigor and the prime of your life? Why not give him when you're at your full potential? Because he says if we become slothful, selfish, and foolish, then it will not go well with us on that day. The Bible talks about how that we should live right so that we will not be ashamed at his coming. Did you ever read that in 1 John? so that you will not be ashamed of his coming. That means, you know, on that glorious day, Jesus returns, there'll be some Christians hiding under those blue chairs. <laughs> the, Lord is, the Lord is here, and he's calling for you. I'm not here, I don't, shh, tell him, I'm, you can't find me. I'm, I'm in the mother's room, you can't, I'm in the sound booth under the chair. <laughs> no, no, we don't wanna be ashamed of him. Serve the Lord. Do we have any servants of the Lord in this place today? Do we have any of those who aspire to be a good and faithful servant? Not of me, not of some organization, but of the Lord? If so, then stand to your feet.